David hunting said, Now, uh, of course, in verse 15, he says, He said, And you shall name him, or his name shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Right? Shall call him, you know, uh, the Lord has many names. The Lord, uh, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, all different kinds of names that describe his character, his nature, also his his mission. And at this particular time, the angel says, you shall call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins. You know, they're saying, you know, there is no more beautiful name than help when you are in trouble, right? <laughs> you know, let, let them come up with a cheerful token. <laughs> let them come up with a cheerful character. They can call it whatever they want. They can call it Y two two three D one. People are like, "What's that?" I don't care. It's beautiful. <laughs> Why? Because it is a cure for what we need at this time. Jesus Christ uh, was named Jesus because it meant that God was intervening and interceding on our behalf. He was coming to our aid. He was coming to our rescue, and therefore, His name is the most beautiful name that there is. And so we praise Him and we thank Him for the name that has been given by which many might be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. So we want to thank you guys so much for being here. You can go ahead and be seated if you'd like. As far as tonight goes, we are going to continue our series. Uh, and we just want to remind you in-house as well as online that at the end of today's lesson, we're going to give you an opportunity to ask questions, whether it be concerning the lesson for today or you have any biblical questions, any personal question, any current event question that's going out there, any question that you have that you simply would like God's perspective on by His Word and through His Spirit, at the end of service today, we'll bring the mics out and we'll allow you to answer or ask you a question and hopefully, prayerfully, we'll be able to answer that for you. If there are none in-house or after everybody here has gone, we'll look to see there are any questions online. So if you're watching online, as we're going through this, if you would like to put a question in the comment section, you can do that. We have monitors who will be monitoring that, both on Facebook, on YouTube, as well as on GroupMe. And then at the end of service, we'll try and answer as many questions as we possibly can. All right? I think those are all the house cleaning details we need to go over. Now let's go to the Lord uh, to pray over this word and lesson, and then we will be Lord, we have come to declare to you today that we know and believe that your name is sweet. God, it gets sweeter as the days go by, Lord, because you continue to reveal yourself to us. How good, how marvelous and magnificent you truly are and how you have been toward us. And so we thank you, God, for coming to this world and saving us for revealing yourself to us and giving us even the faith and the ability to believe in you, that we may reap and receive true, eternal, abundant, and everlasting life with you. And we know, God, that life doesn't begin once we die or once we go to heaven. It begins once we receive you. And, Lord, we know, God, that you said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You are that life. So the abundance is having more of you. And that's why we're here today, God, because we want to receive more of you, more of your insight, more of your knowledge, more of your information, more of your revelation that will change, that will impact our lives, that we may leave this place changed and better than we were when we first came in. That we may not only be changed for ourselves, but for the world that you're calling us into. So we ask at this time, God, as we open your word, may we watch over your word, may we see that it does what you have planned and purposed it to do, even before the foundation of the world, so that you may be glorified, and your glory may cover this earth as the waters cover the sea. We ask this all now in the powerful and precious name of that beautiful name, Jesus the Christ, and all of God's people together. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Maddie. Well, they say with every crisis, uh, after that crisis is said and done, there is always a 
baby boom that follows. And any crisis there is, whether it's after a war when the uh, soldiers come back home or after a natural disaster or after a terrorist attack like 9-11, after some type of crisis in, in a nation, in a land, it's usually followed with a baby boom. And they say the reason for that is, of course, uh, because of the close proximity everybody is together uh, with one another or because we need to be comforted and we uh, look to comfort at that time. Whatever the reason is, they believe there is a baby boom that comes as a result of a crisis. So it stands the reason that you have some people today who believe that once COVID-19 is all said and done, it would have produced another baby boom, right? They figure with all the, uh, everything being shut down and we closed in, I mean, what else are we going to do but make babies, right? So they, they figure <laughs> we're going to see another boom in, in, in babies. And so they've already come up with even different names for these new babies that are going to be born <laughs> as a result of COVID-19. I'm sure you've seen the videos already, but 10 years from now, that teacher, she's taking role, right? <laughs> doing roll call in her classroom, and she's calling out all the names. She's saying, uh, Terrell, are you here, Terrell? <laughs> uh, Charmin, is Charmin here? <laughs> COVID Lee, COVID Lee, where are you, COVID Lee? <laughs> uh, Quarantina, Quarantina, is Quarantina here? <laughs> My favorite one, though, was the twins, right? The, the twins, uh, Social and Distance, Social and Distance, where are you? <laughs> They believe this is what's going to come as a result of us staying inside all this time. But then there is another prediction, a different prediction. They say, actually, we don't believe we're going to see another baby boom. We don't believe that we're going to see this influx of uh, children being born as a result of this particular crisis. Why? Because this particular crisis is different. Because of the severity of this crisis, because of all that it's bringing with the death and the sickness and the uncertainty of life and those losing their jobs and, and, and lines, long lines for hours trying to just get food and having to keep their kids at home and they be without. I mean, there's so much going on. This is the last thing that people are thinking about. This is the last thing they're thinking about because they are so down. They are so depressed. They're in a place of despair that this is the last thing they would be thinking about. Now, you have to be pretty down not to want to get down, okay? <laughs> you gotta be <laughs> you gotta be in a state of mind where it's just that bad that that's not even on your radar, right? So that is what they are saying. That is the report. Rather than a baby boom, they say we're more likely to see a divorce boom. You want to talk about a boom, it is a divorce boom. It is a suicide boom. It is different kinds of negative booms that are going to happen. Why? Because people are so down. They are so depressed. Uh, depressed. They're so discouraged and living in a state of despair. Where they're in a place or a position where they don't believe there's any way out. There was a particular movie that came out a few years back. of the movie is the, the, the hero or the star uh, of the movie who goes to his girlfriend's house where the antagonists of the story are. And the one particular mom, she puts him under a spell. Right? She hypnotizes him and puts him under her spell, under her power, where he begins to go to a place they describe or call in the movie the sunken place. The sunken place, and it is described or illustrated in the movie of being this bottomless pit. This hole where whoever goes into the sunken place, they are just falling in slow motion further and further away from the surface, deeper and deeper into the hole. There's nothing around them. They can't grab on anything. They can't hold on to anything. They can't stop from 
them from sinking. And so they are just falling away from the surface. It is called the sunken place. And I believe that describes many of people here in our land today. Well, if they would be truthful, if they would be honest, they would say, I am in the sunken place. Because of this darkness, because of this death, because of this disease, because of this sickness, because of this hunger and and loss of jobs and all kinds of things that we are contending with now because of this pandemic, I am in a place of despair. I am in a place of depression like I've never been before, like I've never seen before. I am in the sunken place. And so being depressed, living in despair is definitely a mine of the mind. It is definitely a mine of the mind. Remember what we say a mine of the mind is. It is something that Satan plants. It is something that the world will trigger or life will trigger. But it is also something that God wants you to have victory, power, and authority over. That is a mind of the mind. What Satan plants, what life triggers, but what God wants to give you victory over. And despair and depression is certainly a mind of the mind. Why is that? Well, because Satan not only wants to take you down, he wants to, to keep you down. Satan doesn't want to just take you down. He wants to keep you down. Why? Because when he is able to take you down and keep you down, not only does that affect you, but it affects the potential that is in you. See, when you are down and depressed and living in despair, you don't want to do anything. (laughs) If you don't want to make babies, you certainly don't want to do anything for the Lord, right? (laughs) So when you are down and depressed, and living in a place of despair, you don't want to do a thing. And included in that is anything for the kingdom of God. Anything for anybody else. Anything to advance God's kingdom and God's glory. You don't want to do a thing. And so what Satan will do is he will plant the seed, he will plant the mind called depression and despair in you. Not only to get you down, but to lead you down. Because if he's taking care of you, he's taking care of the potential that is in you as far as Christ. That is his goal. That is what he will do. He will use the circumstances and situations of life to take you to the sunken place. So the question that we have for today then is, how do we get out of the sunken place? If I have just described you, if I have just described a loved one of yours, if I just describe the time of your life, or if you've never been there, just keep living, it will eventually happen, <laughs> where you will end up in the sunken place, you are going to want to know then, as those who want to know now who are in it, how do I get out of it? How do I get out of the sunken place? How do I get out of this place, this state of depression and despair because of the circumstances of life? How do I get out of the sunken place? That is what we want to answer today in our next installment of our series called Minds of the Mind. This is part 11. We're simply calling the sunken place. The sunken place. Now, before we continue, I think it's important for us to understand that rarely, if at all, is this talked about in Rarely, if at all, is this topic talked about in church. I'm talking about the topic of depression, of being sad, of living in despair. We don't talk about that in church. Why do we not talk about that in church? Well, because Christians aren't supposed to be depressed. Christians aren't supposed to be sad. Christians aren't supposed to live... being defeated and and, and a, a place of despair, that's not supposed to be the makeup of a Christian. And so because that is what's taught, that's what is thought of and, and perceived of, this is never talked about, this is never discussed, this 
So all we do when we come in on Wednesday, when we come on in on Sunday, no matter how we're doing, we're going to plaster a big smile on our face. When somebody asks us how we're doing, we're going to give the same cliche answer. Yo, I'm blessed. <laughs> Too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> when all hell is breaking loose in your home and your life, when you know you're in dysfunction place, but you don't want to admit that. So you will give the same cliche answers. <laughs> That's why one of the things that came from this pandemic, they were saying, we need to add a word to the, how are you? <laughs> because usually when you ask somebody, how are you, you really don't mean, how are you? <laughs> so all you are doing is just saying, hi. <laughs> all you are doing when you say, how are you, is acknowledging that you see them. But do you really want to know how they're doing? Do you really want to know how they are? And so they say the word that you need to add to that is really. Really. <laughs> no, how are you really? No, really, really. I'm serious, really. How are you? That is different from how are you? <laughs> if you say, how are you? They're going to say, good. When anything but is good in their life. They say, how are you? They're going to say, oh, I'm blessed. <laughs> Too blessed to be stressed. When they know deep inside they're in this fucking place. And so we come in, we plaster this smile, we give the cliche answers, we act like everything is fine, and we never mention that we are hurting, that we are down, that we are depressed, that we are in despair, we are in this fucking place because we can't let anybody know that me being a Christian is ever down or depressed. Me being a person who knows the Lord, who is filled with His Spirit and on His way to heaven can ever be in a place of defeat and despair. I can't let anybody know that. And so it's not talked about in the pews because it's not talked about in the pulpit. We won't mention it, we won't talk about it because no Christian is ever supposed to be depressed and but there are too many people in the Bible, <laughs> too many people in Scripture who were depressed, who were in despair, and so much that they were even suicidal. Some of the superstars of, of the Bible, some of those who are mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, were to the point of depression and despair, where they were even suicidal. Not that they would take their own life, but they wished that God would. <laughs> People like Moses. Moses asked God to kill him. Y'all know that? <laughs> Moses asked God to take his life. People like Job. Job wished that he had never been born at all. People like Jonah, people like Elijah, Elijah who called down fire from heaven, Elijah who stopped the heavens so that it would not rain for three and a half years. Three and a half years. That Elijah asked God to take his life. So don't tell me that because you are a Christian, you should ever be depressed. Don't tell me because you're a Christian, you should ever be uh, discouraged and living in a state of despair. That is a lie. You say, well, wait a minute. If I get depressed, if I get discouraged, if I live in a state of despair like everybody else, why did I come to Christ then? <laughs> why did I give my life to Jesus if I was going to be down and depressed and stressed out like the rest of the world? Because this is why, even though we get down, we don't have to stay down. That's why. <laughs> even though we get down, the difference is we don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay there. Now, we are just as susceptible to the issues of life like everybody else is. As the Bible says, he causes the rain to, to fall on the just and the unjust. The sun is shine on the righteous and the wicked. Life is going to happen to all of us, whether you're a believer or not, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you come to church or not. Life is going to happen to you. Jesus said, in this life, in this world, you may have to 
situation. No, you will have tribulation. As you live in this sinful, fallen world full of sinful, fallen people, in this sinful, fallen body, guess what? You will have tribulation. You will have issues and moments and circumstances and situations of depression and despair as a result of living in this life. As a matter of fact, there's an entire book associated with this. There's an entire book on this subject in the Bible. It is called Lamentations. 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 To lament means to cry out in agony. To cry out in pain. Because of what you're going through, that is what it means to lament. And there is an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. No, this is something that Christians will go through as well. The only difference is, even though we go there, we don't have to stay there. Even though we fall into the sunken place, we don't have to stay that's why Jesus prefaced it by saying, I am telling you this so that in me you might have peace. In this world, in this life, you will have trials, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I have already overcome, I've already defeated, I've already gained your victory for anything and everything you are ever going to face in this life. So I am telling you all this so that you may know in me, in spite of all that you're going through, you will have peace. That is the difference. You can get depressed. You can get discouraged. We can live in a state of despair. But we don't have to stay there. That is the difference between a believer and those who don't know the Lord. Psalm 34, 17, my first scripture, if you have your Bible, Psalm 34, 17, says this, the righteous cry out, the righteous, he's not talking to sin, he didn't say the sinners, he said the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears righteous and delivers Because of their faults. And when they cry out, because they are righteous, because you are righteous, because I am righteous, the Bible says the Lord hears, and not only does he hear, but he will deliver them out of all of their troubles. So how can he deliver you out of all your troubles if you're never supposed to get into any trouble? If it's always supposed to be just health, wealth, and prosperity for you, then what trouble will Jesus need to deliver you out of? No, he knows that you're going to have trouble. But he is there to hear you when you cry out and deliver you from all of your trouble. It says, the Lord is near to the what? Brokenhearted. Again, talking about the righteous. There are times when the righteous will be broken hearted. And God says it is at those times when the Lord will be near to those who are broken hearted. And he will save such as who has a contrite spirit. What is a contrite spirit? One that is humble. One that is remorseful. You know it is prideful to walk around and to act like there is nothing wrong what, what will people think? What will people say if they knew that I was struggling? If they knew I was going through what I'm going through. If they, if they knew, what would they think about me? What would they say about me? They would think I'm a bad Christian. They would think I don't know my Bible enough. I, I'm not close to the Lord enough. Or I don't have enough faith. What would they think? So let me put on a facade. That is pride. That is pride. 
close with a contrite spirit, not with a proud spirit, with a contrite spirit. It says, many, how many? Many are the afflictions of the sinner. Is that what your Bible says? Many are the afflictions of those who don't know the Lord. Is that what your Bible says? Many are the afflictions of who? The righteous. If somebody told you give your life to Jesus, become a Christian, you'll never have another bad day in your life, they lied to you. <laughs> they didn't know what they were talking about. So if anything else, all hell now has come against you because you've now defected from their side and come to the side of glory. Bible says, the psalmist says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But he also says, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. This is the perfect scripture for what we are talking about here. Disputing the idea that Christians aren't supposed to be dumb and sad and depressed and brokenhearted. Wrong.
we need to go back to where we were when we last had our joy, last had our peace, and see what happened in our life that caused us to lose that joy. And Jesus is faced with the demoniac. If you remember, he asked him a question. What was the question he asked? What is your name? What is your name? Why? Because he wanted to identify what he was dealing with or who he was dealing with. When the blind man was saying, uh, son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, Jesus went back and said, what exactly is it that you want me to do for you? He says, my eyes, give me my sight that I may see. He identified what he was needing. The same way I believe we need to identify the reason why we are in suffering. Jonah 1.7, this is one of our uh, minor prophets that we're going to eventually get into in our series. But Jonah chapter 1 verse 7, you remember Jonah, he disobeyed God. God told him to go to Nineveh. He went opposite way, got on a boat to Tarshish. They ended up in a storm. Storm just came out of nowhere. And so what they want to do is they want to identify who or what is causing this storm. <laughs> who or what is causing the storm that we are in right now. So what does the Bible say in verse 7? Jonah 1, it says, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. They cast lots, why? So they may know the cause of their storm. So they may know who is responsible for them being in this storm that they are in. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Jonah was the cause of their storm. Jonah was the cause of their trial. Jonah was the cause of their tribulation. And so now that they've identified why they're in the storm, if they would just deal with what causes it, they can deal with the storm as well. And that's exactly what they do. Jonah says, throw me overboard. Get rid of me, and guess what? You will get rid of your storm. Now that you've identified the cause of your storm, if you get rid of what's causing your storm, guess what? You will get rid of your storm as well. And as soon as they throw Jonah overboard, the storm goes away. So the next step in you getting out of the suffering place, after number one, admitting that you are there, Number two, then, discovering why. Identifying. You just simply ask yourself a question when you do it. Can I do something about this? Or do I simply trust God to do it? Now that I've identified what's caused me to go into this suffering place, can I do something about it? Must I simply trust in God to do it? In word, other words, is there something that I can change? Is there something in my power, in my control? If it is, great. Let me do what I need to do to get out of this thing. But if it is beyond my control, then that means that God is in control. And I simply have to trust in Him. Your uh, source of depression and despair is COVID-19 and this pandemic. It's not a whole lot you can do about it. You can wash your hands, clean up your ass well, you know, social distance, you can do all that, right? But after that, there's not a whole lot you can do. When it is beyond your control, you must simply trust that God is in control. And he will keep you in it until you how do we get out of our suffering place? Number one, admit that you're there. And number two, identify why. Why? There. How do we get out of the suffering place? Well, just like on the front of uh, cancer boxes, just add on. <laughs> just add on. 
showed up, Becky accidentally fell in a well. And we knew that we could not get that donkey up, lift it up out of that well. And so rather than see it suffer a painful and slow, agonizing death, we figured I'm just going to go ahead and put this animal out of its uh, out of its misery. Thank you. <laughs> and so I'm going to bury it alive. I'm going to bury it alive. And so he begins taking shovel. He begins to dump dirt in the well to cover up the, the animal. And every time he poured the, the dirt in, in the well, covered up, he would just shake it off <laughs> and step up. <laughs> shake it off <laughs> and step up. And eventually, after doing that over and over and over again, he was at the point where he can step out of the <laughs> Step out of the well. Why do I bring that up in talking about just adding water? Well, because John 7.38 says this. John 7.38 says this. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, I believe that's true. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, okay, not what's popular, not what's trendy, not just different then out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you believe in Jesus Christ as the scriptures say that you believe, then God is saying out of you, from you, will flow rivers of living water. If you remember, it was living water that Jesus was offering the woman at the well. Say, you come into this world to drink, but guess what? You'll be baptized. You're going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And let me give you a perfect example. Go call your husband. You've been coming to the wells of this earth, of this world, of this life, and they run dry, and so you got to keep going to me. But I am offering you today living water <laughs> where, where you will never thirst again. Interesting that he refers to this life-giving spirit, the spirit of God, as living water. Why? Because water hydrates, water replenishes, water nourishes, water, yes, drowns, but it also causes things to flow again. Water will overpower you, water will drown you, but it will also cause you to thirst again. So what better way to get out of this deep, sunken place you're in What better way to get out of this that you're in than just filling it up and allowing the, the rivers of living water flow out of you and from you that will lift you up and float you out of that sunken place? What better than that? That same scripture in John says it's the living water is the Spirit of God. And where is the Spirit of God right now? of the living God resides in you, not in heaven, not just hovering over the earth. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, God has breathed his own spirit back into you. The spirit of God is living in you right now. And so from you, from the spirit that dwells in you, will flow this life-giving That is able to lift you up out of this state of depression and despair. Let me give you an example of this. First Samuel 16. First Samuel chapter 16. We'll look at verse 14 and we'll look at verse 24. First Samuel 16, 14, the Bible says this, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing or a depressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, let's explain what is going on here. 
And then Saul disobeyed God. Saul sinned against God. And so the spirit of God that was with Saul departed from him. And in its place was a troubling spirit, a depressing spirit, a distressing spirit. Now it says it was from the spirit of the Lord, but it simply says the Lord allowed it. That's what that means. When it says from God, it simply means the Lord allowed it. The Lord got out of the way. He removed his hand of protection. He removed his spirit from Saul. And this distressing or depressing spirit came upon Saul and settled him. So when this happened, his men around him, they said, well, what if we found a skilled player? Someone perhaps who could entertain you or play for you uh, that would ease your heart and your worry and your mind and your trouble that you're in right now with, with this depressing spirit that has come upon you. And so in verse 23 it says, And so it was, whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul, this distressing spirit, that David would take a harp and play it with his hands. What do you think he was doing? David was a worshiper. That, that's what he was. That's what he did. So he, he wasn't playing the, the, the top 100 hits, okay? Uh, of Jerusalem, okay? David was a worshiper. And he would take his harp, he would take his, his instrument, and he would begin to play and, and sing and worship in the presence of the king. Every time he was in a place of despair and depression and worry and anxiety, he would call for David. Say, David, come worship. David, come worship. Come play your harp. Come sing your songs. Come worship the Lord before me. Why is that? Do you realize that Satan is allergic to worship? <laughs> he can't handle worship. Man. Anybody allergic to things like cats? somebody's house and you begin sneezing right away, you must have some cats in here, right? I'm allergic. Same way with worship and faith. <laughs> Satan can't handle that. When you lift up the Lord, when you lift up the glory of God, when you begin to worship Him and fill the room and fill the atmosphere with the worship and the glory, with the presence of Almighty God, Satan can't stick around to that. <laughs> He's not comfortable in that environment. <laughs> so if we would but Fill up our sunken place, you hear me wrong. If we will begin to fill up our place of depression and despair with the worship of God, with the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, even utilizing the people of God, you will be amazed at how you will begin to soak up the atmosphere. It is through worship. It is through worship. Worshiping song. Worshiping prayer. Worshiping, reading your Bible, worshiping, listening to, to worship music. Whatever you have to do to fill the room, to fill the atmosphere that you're in with the presence of God, do that because both cannot occupy the same place. Remember what we said to start off this series, the, the, the seat of your mind can only be occupied by one person at a time. And if you begin to simply feel the atmosphere, feel the arena, feel the room, feel your life with the presence of God, somebody else has got to go. <laughs> they both cannot occupy that same place at the same time. So even though your trouble hasn't left, even though your problem is still there, God says, if you invite me in, <laughs> if you allow the rivers of living water that is in you to flow out of you and from you, I will flood the sunken place, I will drown the sorrows, and I will float you to the shore. I will flood the sunken place. I will drown the sorrows, and I will float you to the shore. Look at me, Lord. Help me to understand this. 
physiological, there's people who have a chemical imbalance, I want to say that. Some things are psychological, they have a, a mental disorder of some sort, I understand that. And it's not to say that those things are even uh, uh, from the, the reach of God. God. God is able to handle those things as well. But I'm saying, I know that is a reality for some people, a reality for a lot of people, many people. But when it is spiritual, when it is spiritual, when it is from the enemy to get you down, to get you discouraged, to get you depressed, to get you defeated, where you stumble, then I do believe it can be as easy as that. Simply admit that you are identify. did the same thing when his wife comes and says, do you still hold on to your integrity after all that God has done for you? What do we say? Shouldn't we receive good from God and not what we perceive to be bad? If it's all from God, it's all for our good. He said this, naked I came into this world. Naked I shall return. The Lord did. the woman again, she tried to go for that cup of tea to do it again, and he knocked it out of her hand so he would never go to that sunken place again. The best way to get out of the sunken place is to avoid it altogether. 
Lord that can stop you from going to the selfish place, then avoid his power to judge you. But if you can't avoid it, and not only if, but when you do end up in the selfish place. Admit it. Identify it.
Remember what the Lord could do to you. Remember your heart and your life to Him right now and always through time. And if I was doing anything wrong, if He's the only one who can find me sin, He's the only one who can set me right, and He's the only one who can deliver me from it, I call upon the name of the Lord as my Savior so that I may be saved through Him. Let's pray. If you are a Christian, you are a believer, I pray that I have freed you up by letting you know you are just as susceptible to depression <laughs> as anybody else. So hopefully you will stop beating yourself up and thinking you're a bad Christian and thinking you don't have enough faith and thinking you don't know enough Bible and all that. All that may be true, but it has nothing to do with the depression. <laughs> that has to do with how long you stay there. But we are susceptible to it. I get depressed at times. My wife gets depressed at times. You get depressed at times. It's a reality for all of us. The difference is we have Jesus with us who can be there for us and take us through it. So I pray that we would be open, we would be transparent, we would be real in the house of God. When we come in here and we ask people, how are you doing? That's God will, no will. and humble enough to let you come and lay flat. I'm, I'm in a difficult place this morning. I need you to pray for me. I need you to, to, to work this out with me. I need you to go through your house with me because I'm not at a good place right now. It's okay to do that. And if you can't do it in church, you can't do it with the people of God, who's going to do it with? <laughs> so let us see this through a completely different lens than we have been seeing it so we may once and for all be as we leave you, I want to again just remind you to go to our website, believechurch.cc, where you can give, you can watch this lesson again, you can share, like, comment, subscribe, uh, and, and watch other lessons as well through the uh, series, but it will bless your heart and life, as well as somebody else in your life that you know could use this particular lesson. So do that, and uh, keep in mind our series on Sunday, um, the um, ministry partnership that we are That is all that we have for you today. Let us go ahead and stand in the presence of Almighty God. Receive the blessing of the benediction of the Lord, and then we will be dismissed. Our benediction today comes from Psalm 3, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 3, verses 1 through 3, and it simply says this. Lord, how they have increased who trouble you. Many are they they who say of you, there is no help for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the fortress of my heart. Let us even go now. Lift up your hands to heaven and receive the blessing of Almighty Lord. I thank you so much for this time that you allowed us to gather in your name and in your presence. I thank you for your word and your spirit that has been present and evident with us today. You have spoken to us. You have revealed things to us. You have encouraged us. You have instructed us with the ways of the kingdom and the principles, God, as well as the resources that you have given to us by the Spirit. And so we pray, God, that we will leave this place now. Vindicate and victorious over all of our enemies and all those who come against us, knowing that you are our shield, our fortress, our refuge, our place of safety. And you are the one, the only, who is able to lift our heads and lift us out of the pit of hell. So we pray, God, that this will not only be words that be spoken tonight, it will become our reality both now and forever for our good and for your glory. Amen and praise God. We love you. We'll see you next time.